0: Well, hello, greetings, and welcome to this, uh, another edition of the TWBC Podcast. Uh, my name is Tony Lightfoot, and uh, thank you for your continued support. Well, here we are. Uh, we got uh, the uh, IWWF U21 World Water Ski Championships uh, that are taking place in Chapala, which isn't too far outside uh, uh, Guadalajara in the state of Jalisco, in Mexico. And uh, I'm pleased to have uh, with me the homologator for the tournament, but uh, probably more importantly, he is the president of the International Waterski and Wakeboard Federation. He is none other than Jose Antonio Perez Briego How are you doing, sir?
1: Great, Tony. Nice to be here.
0: Nice to be here. Uh, yes, indeed. The, the last time we actually spoke uh, on a podcast was during the uh, U21 World Championships, wasn't that right? Yes, uh,
1: almost two years to the date.
0: Yes indeed. Yeah uh over at uh Picos's uh, place over in the Santa Rosa Beach. So, uh having these championships in your home country in Mexico must be uh m- must must make you pretty proud, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, super proud because uh Boca Laguna is like a second home for me.
0: Okie dokie. Uh and uh, yeah, I mean Boca Boca Laguna is a fantastic side. I mean it's held the uh, the World Award uh the uh World Water Ski Championships in 2015, U21 Worlds in 2009, uh, 2012, they had the Senior World. So they, they, these folks here, the La Madrid, you know, I mean, they really pull out the stops and they're, they're no stranger to welcoming the best skiers from around the world.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, well, uh, of course, there are no uh, amateurs. This is their fourth or fifth time. In addition to what you mentioned, they also ran the uh, Pan-American World Championships. So so that was a huge event. Thousands of people came to see us.
0: Yeah, that was the Pan-American Games. What was that yes. in 2011 yes. right here in, yes. uh, in Chapala? In, yes. so, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, they certainly had, had plenty of experience with that. So... Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about some uh, some of uh, the issues uh, that are uh, that are that are facing water skiing right now. Uh, about two years ago, uh, the IWWF uh, put into place uh, the uh, the fee uh, for international skiers to, in order to actually to actually compete as a way of uh, raising raising enough money to be able to. Uh, select any site that they that they want without uh, w- without ne- without needing too much support from the actual uh, site host. Uh, two years down the line, uh, how how do you how do you think that that, that has gone with the with the uh, EMS license? Well,
1: the AMS license was very successful. I'd like to thank all the skiers because they really accepted and appreciated and I hope we've been uh, transparent with the use of that money. Uh, it has been devoted to, to pay for the Open World Championships, for the for the World Ski Open World Championships. That's all the money that we collect goes towards that. So that reduces the cost. So we actually inverted the process like a, a, a championship like this one, a host bids, and then, and then pay some the rights holders to us and, we, and we, grant the, we grant the tournament to a site and then they have to cover all the costs. So, so uh, the new model is, is the upside down. Uh, right now we select the site we actually rent the site from the hosts. Obviously, we work very close together with them, and, and they're amazing hosts. And who, whomever we, we pick, and we work all closely together. But we were actually renting the site from them, and uh, and so for the hosts, instead of being, you know, a, a, a very risky business that they might lose the house during the wars because nobody came, now they are making money with the tournament. So I think uh, I think for the for the host sites, it's a, it's a great uh, difference. And for for us, it gives us a f- full control of what we want to project as a federation and the level we want to to to, to project for the, our skiers. Uh,
0: even so, I mean, the world, the next World Championships this year, the next Elite World Championships, will take place at the same venue where it took place uh, two uh, two seasons ago over at uh, Sun- Sunset Lakes. I mean, obviously the consistency side from it from having a great site with great conditions is going to be a big plus for the skiers but having having the the same the same titled event two season two two separate seasons back to back you know it is is that a sustainable model
1: no and uh, we're not looking for that the reality is that uh, some organizations do that, and for example, for us to be sustainable, even the license fee and the, the, the registration fee does not cover the cost of the by far, the cost of putting on the championships. So we need outside uh, support, outside uh, uh, sponsors. In this case, the sponsor is the city of uh, or the county of uh, Lake, uh, Lake, county. Lake County, which uh, is a great a great partner to work with, and they wanted us a, a multi-year event. And this is the way the, 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 the USA... Uh, water ski runs their events. You know the the, the nationals are run twice in the same site every other uh, two consecutive years on the same site and that has a reason the reason is is really because if you want to to establish relationship with sponsors Mm -hmm. it's very hard to find a sponsor that goes for a one-off event they want to know what's coming up they want to know they want to have certainty on the dates and the future and in this case that was provided by lake county
0: and and also some support from the greater orlando sports commission and uh, and another another uh, uh, governmental entities around that, you know So I mean, it's good to have have its security, but uh, I mean, ha- have have there been any hands raised for like the world championships? Uh, another two years down down the line. Having uh, having have have seen uh, how successful, as you said, this model has been in terms of actually renting the site and doing and doing this kind of thing.
1: Yes, uh, we have have a strong interest from different sites in Europe. They they I, I, I don't want to go into more closely detail, but we have a, a interest on in sites in Europe, and we have also interest in a couple of sites in Oceania in Australia.
0: Okay, yeah, because it's been a while since uh, since Oceania uh, has actually hosted a a World Elite Water Ski Championships. You I mean you'd have to go back into like the nineteen, maybe nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, you know, you like, good memory. like like Surfers Paradise and th- th- those yes. places, which which what well, by today's standard surface paradise can't can't really function as uh, uh, as, an, as an event venue but like places like Moala and uh, and and Bonnie's place over in western australia they're certainly capable of hosting the event
1: well those are the sites we're looking at and uh, we're working with the provincial governments in both uh, or state governments in those in both uh, in both areas to see if they can jump in to, to help us support because in reality we bring a lot of uh, economic economic impact to wherever we go as a community you know we, we it's a good business for for anyone to have us
0: okay so i mean the iwwf is the governing body not only for tournament water skiing but for uh, for a number of different disciplines ski racing barefooting uh, uh uh, adaptive water skiing and all that, and and all that, and all that kind of stuff. So, how difficult is it to actually balance the needs and the wants of the tournament community, and yet still keep that those folks in the other disciplines are somewhat happy?
1: Well, i you know, I. I, I... I really don't want to imply that uh, they are the, the lesser children, you know. For me, every every discipline is super important. I'm, I'm passionate about everything. In this position, I got the opportunity to really get to know up close and personal, for example, racing that I was never involved in it. And I, I if you even if you look in social media, it's hard to find racing. Yeah. But uh, I found it and I loved it, you know. And it's it's amazing. And these athletes are, it, it's it's just incredible, you know. They they they. It blows your mind, so, you know, a 15-year-old kid going 100 miles an hour on uh, the roughest water you could ever see, you know, with white caps. And they do it, and they love it. And uh, the barefooters are uh, uh, also a super uh, feisty community. They're super well organized. They're certainly so, a different breed. So, so, yes. But, I, you know, I, I... I I love each and because each of our disciplines has its own unique character. You know, that's that's just amazing. And what I would love to see, what I don't know if I will be able, is to put together one or more... Uh, disciplines together, so so they actually can can uh, interact. For example, right now, what we're trying to organize, uh, one of our dreams on future projects, this is in the dream stage now, but I want to make it a reality, is to run uh, I W W F university walls, college walls. But those collegiate collegiate walls would be based not only in water skiing, it would have wakeboard, cable, wakeboard, cable, ski, as many disciplines uh, as, as we can put together. Obviously the site is a super challenge because you need to have uh, uh, some sites that you're probably, we have a couple in the world that could have host everything together at once, no?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned the university worlds because uh, the uh, the, the last world championships that were supposed to be in the 2019 cycle uh, had to be postponed due to the to the uh, Russian aggression against Ukraine and and how uh, and how Belarus gets themselves involved in, in all of that mess because it was supposed to take place in Minsk at that time. You know, so I mean, uh, how how? Let, let me ask you a couple of questions. I mean, first, uh, first of all, how important is it for you to reestablish that cycle with with a new venue for the uh, for the for the World University Championships? That's one question. And B, how is the IWWF relationship with Fisu going on? Going on?
1: Well, we have a great a great relationship with Fisu, but we are not part of Fisu anymore. The 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 we had um, a contract that is renewable every four four years. That contract lapsed uh, last year. Since 2016, we were not able to, to line any uh, hosts for, for the FISU's championships. The last one was in, in, in Japan. And uh, it's because the, the conditions that FISU demanded from the hosts were extremely, ex- extremely strenuous. So it, they were very hard to meet. So the only two countries that we had lined up was Minsk for, this year, for last year. Belarus. Uh, sorry, Belarus and Minsk for, for last year. And next year, uh, the Dnipro. In Ukraine, so uh, FISU decided to suspend. It was this was not our call not to go ahead. Obviously, it's impossible to to have it there. But the reality is that FISU was the one that took the decision to stop it in the mid time the 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 fisu uh, contract lapsed, and we decided not to renew it and try to do our own uh, university yeah. worlds because that gives us much more freedom to work
0: so so basically a university worlds but not sanctioned but sanctioned by the i w w f and not Fisu exactly.
1: Well, they were always actually sanctioned by IWWF, but they were organized by Fisu. Yeah. And uh, so, so, and, and we will have it around. And if it's a, if it's an att- attractive uh, 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 property, I'm sure Piso will, will will be very happy to to call it back in. You know, because again, the relationship with them is super good.
0: All right, then you mentioned that the po- that there's a possibility that. Uh an IWWF World University Championship would take place at Nipro in Ukraine. That's going from one extreme to the other, from Belarus to uh, well, uh, that to was Fisu. Yeah, that was through through Fisu, but uh, but I mean, I just I just can't help but but be a little bit struck by the uh, by by the uh, by one side and the other, Belarus uh, that was excluded from running it, and then then going to Ukraine, who who were who were. Uh, who are are still being victims of this uh, terrible aggression from uh, from Russia, and that that leads me to this next question. Uh, the IWWF sent an email out uh, in March saying that uh, even though the IOC is prepared to allow uh, Belarusian and Russian athletes to compete under the white flag, you're not. Uh, the IWWF is not prepared to take that stance.
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of clarifications there because the IOC has not said what you just said. They have said, basically, you are on your own they they whatever they sa- they said okay because if you are an independent federation you decide whatever you want to do because it's your, your sport so if you want to include them it's fine if you want not to include them it's fine we are stepping out and we are taking a neutral approach the IOC I mean yes. and the IOC has not really decided if the Russians and Belarusians will be able to participate in next year's olympics and we're less than a year away Yeah, so in Paris, yeah. So, so that's that's really the IOC has their guidance has been murkier and murkier, and it's been harder for us. So, so we're taking the IOC to its word, and we said, okay, it's fine. We'll do it on our own. And we are every quarter we are evaluating the situation, and we we are making the decision. The last quarter uh, meeting was in March or April, and. Uh, and we decided to maintain everything as we had since uh, last year. There were no changes. Uh, that's not to say that no changes are coming. That's say to say that at March, the decision was to stay the course. It, it, it could change the next quarter, which is probably within a few days, the, the next discussion.
0: And then uh, we'll see where it goes, you know okay so I mean so I mean that I mean I mean any decision in regards to Belarus obviously has a direct uh, bearing on at least a couple of uh, world-class skiers and, uh, and, and I'll focus on a couple of them uh, Sasha denskaya and Hannah Sto who uh, who have had to basically ditch their original nationality and, uh, and decide to ski as a representative of the United States uh, give give given that given their actions I mean it, I mean what 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 opinions do you have comment-wise in in terms of what they had to well,
1: do uh, they didn't have to do anything okay they chose to do that okay nobody forced them to change countries uh, we do have a process we have a process which is a long-standing process for you to change countries that process was established like if for example if you decide to go to uh, Germany tomorrow and and there and you want to still keep skiing and eventually compete uh, internationally then you apply for a change of federation and there is a procedure there that has been there forever this procedure was never meant as a loophole to say oh now they, they are banning me here so I'm running over there So, so, so I, the procedure is there we're not changing it because of this uh, we, we, we we don't feel it you know even if it's abused a couple of times we don 't f- we don't feel the need to change it because the procedure is for a completely different reason it's not to ditch a sanction it's to change countries when you actually change a country but uh, for example, what would happen, and this is an open question, if the war would end tomorrow, or if we change our policies and allow Russians and Belarusians to compete, will they ditch the U.S. and go back? I don't know. You need to talk to them. Yeah. But, uh, it's really not my call. I don't know. Do you know they chose to do that? And... Uh, I respect it, and, and they follow the procedure, and they change federations, you know. And uh, I don't know if you want us to, to, me to summarize very quickly what the procedure is all about, or if it's not worth it here.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly. Please, please do.
1: Okay, the procedure is quite simple. Uh, you need to ask your current federation for, for, for a release from your, from your nationality. You need to prove that you are a, national, uh, well, that you are a legal resident of, you, of the new federation. For a certain amount of time? No, it's a a legal requirement that the new federation tells us, okay, the new federation says, okay, under my point of view, these people are legal residents of the new federation, okay, like uh, the US, Germany, whatever. And once we have those two letters in agreement, then you have to wait for a year where you can ski in, in title tournaments, uh, but you cannot compete... Sorry, you can't compete in, in normal tournaments, but you cannot compete in title, like World or, or, or Confederation Championships. So they applied a year ago, and they bec- that year passed... Uh, that year passed, uh, I don't know, in March or April. Uh-huh. In, uh, if your home federation doesn't want to release you, then you can go, but then the waiting period is two years. In the case of both girls, uh, the, the Belarusian federation released them with no problem. Okay. No, so so, uh, so that's, that's where we are. So, so the, the, the situation is that the U.S. said, okay, yes, they, they comply with the, the all protocols, so they would be welcome here so they they we accept the champion we just apply the
0: the have you say the procedure Yeah. You know? so yeah. that's 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 about it all right then so uh looking forward here to these world championships uh, just outside of chapala uh no I mean, you're you're an you're an homologator, which uh, which which means checking the courses, making sure everything is there. I mean, how how, do, how does that how does that kind of work with with your current position as IWWF Federation president? You know, because I mean, I mean, you've got you got a role here, but then people are pulling you inside and wanting your opinion and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, obviously, I have to do, to to have wear many hats.
1: Uh, I really, uh, you know, if I love the homologation, is the, the, one of the things I love most about my work in water skiing. So <laughs> it's really a pleasure for me. But reality is, uh, I think it was uh, kind of stretching myself to think because, for example, r- today I missed, uh, uh, how you say, uh, 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 news conference that I had to go to Chapala and I couldn't because we were here so it doesn't matter, somebody else will do it, but uh, I think the role of, of president has to, uh, at the worst specifically, I have to play that role rather than the homologator, but you know, it is what it is and I'm here and I'm happy, I will try to play both
0: all right, then we'll, uh, we're going to round off this episode of the uh, TWBC podcast. Thanks a lot uh, for doing so. Uh, any any uh, any comments uh, uh, after this after this podcast?
1: Well, yeah, of course. I wish all the kids an, a, a super tournament. I know the site. I've been skiing here. I actually have my personal best here in a national tournament many years ago. And, and I, I'm sure some people or most people will have uh, amazing performances and, on this side because it's, it's just really incredible and the weather couldn't be better, no?
0: Excellent stuff. And that was Jose Antonio Perez-Priego, the IWWF uh, president, here on the TWBC podcast. More coverage of the uh, the U21 World Water Ski Championships here in Chapala will be uh, will be imminent. But until that time, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com.